Good morning. Welcome to Evangel. I invite you to stand as we sing and pray and worship this morning. And hello to everyone watching from home. Good morning. We invite you to join us. We're going to begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. We offer up this time to you, Lord God. We ask that you have your way. In Jesus' name. All-consuming fire fall, 
Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Purify our hearts and our minds and our lives with the fire of your love. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray.
Well, good morning and welcome to Evangel this morning. Thank you for all of those of you who chose to attend in person this morning. It's good to see all of you. And uh, for those of you who are watching from elsewhere, we're glad you joined us as well. Just want to remind you that uh, as of this week, the provincial and regional bylaws have been lifted in terms of uh, mandatory masking, and now we are in an optional masking uh, opportunity. So um, those of you may want feel more comfortable to continue to wear masks, you can continue to do that. For those of you uh, who wish not to, then you are not required to. So just a reminder of that this morning, but I think you already know that anyway. It was just a bit of, I don't know about you, but I had a bit of a weird work week kind of walking into a setting and it's kind of like, I forgot my mask and then everyone had masks on so I felt like I, I should put it on. I felt awkward and then it was just kind of figuring things out. But anyway, it's just, um, yeah, it's conversations we pro- we'd probably never be having in this lifetime, but here we are. I just want to remind you, the annual business meeting is right after the service this morning at 11.15. We hope to start our meeting. And for those of you who, are, who hold membership at Evangel, you are eligible to participate in that meeting. And uh, those of you who do hold official membership, we're going to meet in this section over here. So right after the service, if you could migrate there. For those of you who want to stick around and observe and be in the room, you're welcome to stay. If you want to visit and laugh out loud and all that stuff, we ask you to do it in the foyer or the, uh, or the coat room or about three miles, uh, kilometers down the road, whatever, whatever. It depends on how loud your laugh is. But, uh, but anyway, yeah, we just ask you for this week. Uh, we just love to encourage people to have the opportunity to connect with each other. But this week we have to get to the meeting, so we need to be able to kind of move that through quickly. So please keep that in mind. Last week we reminded you that, uh, or we announced that we would be hosting uh, a water baptismal service on April. Uh, look, we're looking at April 10th, which is uh, Palm Sunday. And if that's something that you are uh, interested in having a conversation about or you've already decided you'd like to be baptized, would you please let us know as soon as possible because there really isn't a lot of time between now and then and we want to get ready for that. So please let us know as soon as possible. Also, last week, Jennifer announced that uh, we're putting what we call our beck and call ministry back in place where when there are people who could benefit from receiving a meal uh, at home in light of circumstances that they might be going through. Um, and so that ministry is, is relaunching. Some of you signed up in the foyer last week at the information desk, at the information center there, and took a foil pan with you. Um, if you uh, didn't get a chance to do that, you'll have the opportunity. Susan will be out there again today, and you can do that. I'm going to ask Pastor Scott to come, and he has a, uh, an announcement as well. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you here this morning. Just a quick reminder announcement. Last week we talked about how our student ministries will be providing free hot dog lunches to the students in our community, specifically the students who go to Blakelock School right down the road from our church. Uh, This is a ministry that has happened in the past and we're excited to start it back up, but there's a few things that we need to do in order to do so. First of all, volunteers are needed. If you are willing and and have availability on Wednesdays during the lunch hour, so from 10.50 to about uh, 12.30 around that time, and we would love to have you volunteer with us. We're also looking for donations of hot dog supplies. So if you are just in the grocery store and you see a a pack of hot dogs, we just encourage you to pick one up and if you feel willing to donate, uh, you can do so as well. We do have sign-ups available at the kid, right beside the kids' help desk uh, that you can sign up to volunteer and as well to donate. We're hoping to start this lunch April 6th, weather depending and if 
I really hope this morning is not an indication of how it'll go, but uh, we might be serving hot dogs in the snow. You never know. Uh, so we encourage you to, to help out however you can. Thank you for your prayers and for your willingness to serve our student ministries. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Scott. Kids, JK to grade five, you can make your way around the perimeter. Your leaders will be over by the door and they'll lead you where you're going. At the end of the service today, just want to remind you, parents, that uh, uh, if you, when, when the time comes, not if you want to pick up your kids, because we kind of hope you really do, but when you need to pick up your kids, you just can uh, head downstairs, uh, out through this door, down the stairs, and down the hall, and you'll find them there and you can pick them up there. So thank you. I'm going to hand it back to you, Tyler, to continue to lead us this morning. This next song we're going to sing is an old hymn and the words are just absolutely beautiful. Um, And obviously we should be paying attention to the words of any song we're singing, but I just wanted to make this one um, very intentional that really, like, because there's six verses, so it gets kind of wordy. And it can kind of go by quick, but they're so deep. It may, maybe, maybe we'll sing, or if you guys are okay with it, maybe we'll sing all six verses twice. I don't know. But because the words really have to sink in. And so I, I just hope that it won't be super quick. And then, oh, wait, what am I even singing? Like, if you really see these words, they are so beautiful. Um, and I'm sure a lot of you know the hymn, Take My Life and Let It Be. But, like, if you honestly mean these words... It will just transform your life. If you were to pray this honestly from the depths of your heart every day to God, then who knows what's going to happen. So this song is such a beautiful prayer, and I just encourage you to really focus on what are these words saying? What does this mean for my life? And then not just to sing them, but like it's a prayer. This is a prayer to God. Uh, that I'm expressing through song. And, uh, and so I hope this touches your heart and, and resonates with you and maybe challenges you. We're all in different places right now, but th- the words of this song are just so beautiful and so profound. Take my life and let it be. I encourage you to stand as we pray this together and sing this together. Sweet. 
voice. Lord Jesus. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my King. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from thee filled with messages from thee take my silver and my gold take my silver and my gold not a might would I withhold take my intellect and use every power as thou shalt choose every power as thou shalt choose Lord Jesus take my will Take my will and make it thine, it shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thine own, it shall be Your oldest heart is living 
Please open our eyes to see, Lord God, whatever it is. Please remove it, Lord God. Have mercy on us and fill us with your grace. And it might be very difficult and we may not have the strength, but with you we can do anything, Lord God. So please give us the strength and the courage to make the changes that we may need to to do, Lord God, so that you can be enthroned in our hearts and that we will truly love with your love, Lord God. Not just with our lips, but with our actions, with our thoughts, each and every day. Please help us to pray and and to grow, Lord God, in faith, in hope, and in love. We pray all these things through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Please remain standing for the reading of God's word. Our scripture reading this morning is found in John chapter 13, and we're going to read verses 1 to 9. It was just before the Passover festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Simon Iscariot, you know who it is, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, 
you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you can have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. You may be seated. Thank you, Tyler, worship team, for leading us this morning. The word was scare. I'm going to forget it. I can't even. Do you ever have those moments where there's a word and you can't say it? You've said it a million times? Yeah. Anyway, it's Judas. We all know who he is. An arrogant young businessman had just started his own company, had rented a beautiful office, had it furnished with the finest of antiques, and he was sitting there taking it all in when a man entered into the outer part of his new office. He wanted to appear like he was a mover and a shaker, so he quickly picked up the phone and started to pretend he was working on a huge deal, throwing around large figures and giant commitments. Finally, thinking he had impressed the visitor, he hung up the phone and asked, how can I help you? To which the man replied, I've come to install your phone. We're going to be talking about humility today. Currently, we're journeying through the season of Lent and a time when many followers of Jesus reflect on their lives in preparation for the celebration of Easter. And reflection most often leads to repentance when we become aware that as we reflect, we become, we become aware of areas of our lives that need attention, areas that need change. And choosing to reflect on our lives and acknowledging areas of concern in our lives and then taking that step to make the necessary changes in our lives, well, it requires humility. It requires humility. As I was reflecting on our journey as a church community, our journey towards Easter, I was, as I was reading, I began to be drawn to Peter's personal and specific journey towards the Easter season and the valuable lessons that we see in Scripture that he needed to learn in these final days to prepare him to live as a follower of Jesus. And it was not an easy journey for Peter. It wasn't an easy journey. Peter usually learned things the hard way. But it was a journey that he embraced nevertheless. And I believe that there's a great deal that we can learn from Peter and his journey. And so today we are launching our um, Easter series, which we've entitled A Rock and a Hard Place. A series which will track with Peter through the first Easter and the valuable lessons that he had to learn most often the hard way. So today we're looking at John chapter 13. We've just read a portion of that today where Jesus is washing his disciples' feet in the upper room prior to his death on the cross. And the lesson that Peter learned from Jesus in those moments about humility. And so today we're going to see that genuine godly love is always demonstrated in humility. Genuine godly love is always demonstrated in humility. 
So let's start with understanding the context of our scripture. Chapter 13 is the turning point in the Gospel of John. It marks the beginning of the final hours leading up to Jesus' death. We're told it's just before Passover, and earlier Jesus was introduced by John the Baptist as the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. Passover, as we look at Scripture, was the celebration of the redemption of God's people out of Egypt And in that process and in the celebrations that followed, lambs were sacrificed, blood was shed as a means of deliverance. This Passover, this particular Passover, will gain a whole new significance as the Lamb of God is sacrificed for the deliverance of all mankind. Now, while there's some debate about the timing of when this particular event took place, it's likely taking place on the Thursday evening prior to Passover on Friday. Later that evening, Jesus will be arrested. He will be held overnight. He will then be tried, condemned, and eventually crucified and laid in the tomb before the sun would set to mark the beginning or start of Passover. Now, we're told that Jesus is aware that the time and the hour for him to be glorified, to return to the Father, had come. He's aware of that. Jesus had been on a divine schedule, and this is a certain, definite, critical time in God's plan of redemption, and Jesus is aware of it. He knows where it's going. And he says that he, it says that he has loved his own, the disciples and his followers. He's loved them to the end. Now, to the end is best understood as capacity of love and not timing. It means he loved them to the full capacity. He loved them to the the limit. He loved them unlimited is what it's trying to say. And so Jesus is sharing a meal here in our scripture with his disciples, and we are introduced during this meal to a significant spiritual contrast and conflict that's happening in the room. We're told that the devil is also at work in the room. More specifically, he is at work in the heart and the mind and thinking of one of those, one of those who we must see that Jesus has loved to the end, to the limit, unlimited, Judas. The devil has already prompted Judas to betray Jesus, to be a part of of, uh, what's going to happen in the crucifixion. And the decision to carry out this act of betrayal has already been decided. It's already been arranged. And although Jesus knows this, he's not shaken by it. He's not intimidated by it. He's not distracted by it. Why? Why? Because it says Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. All things. He had come from God. He was returning from God. The plan was unfolding and everything was going okay. And Jesus was not concerned. Jesus is empowered by God to fulfill the will and plan of God. So that's the context. The next thing we see are the actions that take place here. This passage is what we often refer to as a farewell discourse. 
Now, a farewell discourse contains the final words, the final actions of a person who knows that they're about to die. The final things that they want to leave with those they care about while they can still speak and and act. And we see a number of examples of this in Scripture. We see it in Genesis 49, where Jacob, about to die, blesses his sons. We see it in Joshua chapters 22 to 24, where Joshua, at the end, addressed the, the people of Israel. We see it in 1 Chronicles chapter 28 and 29, where David, knowing the time had come, addressed his son Solomon and then the nation as a whole. The whole book of Deuteronomy is Moses' farewell discourse to Israel. And so we'll see in this farewell, this this passage, this farewell discourse, we'll see the final message that Jesus wants to leave with his followers before he dies. In the time of Jesus, people wore sandals. The roads, depending on the time of year, were either, either very dusty or very muddy. And so the result is, is that dirty feet were a constant reality that, that people were dealing with. A large clay pot of water would be located just inside the entrance of, of homes and rooms containing water to be used for foot washing. Poor people washed their own feet. Servants washed the feet of the wealthy. When foot washing involved someone washing another person's feet, there were actually very strict guidelines around it. Washing another person's feet was considered to be so menial in this culture that Jewish people would not even allow their Jewish servants to wash their feet. They would reserve that task for their Gentile servants. Jesus and his disciples, were told, came from the street to the room. There's no servant present. There's no designated foot washer that came as a part of the rental. And so there's no one there to wash their feet in this private gathering. So they all just sat down at the table. We're told that as the evening was progressing, Jesus got up from the table. He removed his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. A towel around your waist symbolized servanthood because servants wore towels around their waist to do this kind of work. We're told that Jesus poured the water into the basin and, and started to kneel and wash each of the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel. And when he got to Peter, Peter asked, you aren't going to wash my feet, are you? He's astonished. In fact, this is more of a statement than it is a question. And Jesus responded to him and said, Peter, the time will come when you will understand what I'm doing here, what I've I've done here this evening. Down the road, this is all going to make sense for you when you have an opportunity to reflect on it. Washing their feet was symbolic of the ultimate humility that he would demonstrate very soon by voluntarily laying down his life for others. Now, not understanding what was happening, Peter rejected and said, no, no, you will never wash my feet. I can't can't let you do that. And so Jesus explained, because this was all symbolic, unless I wash you, Peter, you, you, you have no part with me. And so typical Peter, he said, then wash my hands and my head too. 
Well, no need for that, Peter. You know, Jesus is saying, you're missing the point here. It's, it's not the washing itself. It is the humility and the love that is demonstrated that you need to understand. The final part is example. Jesus finished washing their feet. He put his clothes back on and he returned to his place at the table. And then he asked them a question. He said, do you understand what I just did? Do you understand it? He wants to make sure that they understand what it is that he's trying to communicate to them, what it is he's trying to teach them in these, his final hours. He said, you call me teacher. You call me Lord. And rightfully so, because I am your teacher and I am your Lord. I have authority over you. I am, you know, I'm above your pay grade. I am above you. I have authority over you. But if the teacher, if the Lord who is above you can humble himself and wash your feet, you should be able to wash each other's feet. If I can humble myself to serve you, you can humble yourself to serve others. I have set an example for you to copy. I want you to do for others what I have done for you. You are not greater than me. If I can do it, you can do it. And he said, as I have done it, you too must do it. He's not suggesting here the perpetuation of foot washing. His emphasis is on the attitude of humility and voluntary service to others that was demonstrated in this unthinkable act that he just performed. And so Jesus ends by saying, now that you know these things, now that I have taught you the importance of humility and service to others, you will be blessed if you do it. If you do it. Now, as we consider our passage today, there are two challenges, I believe, from Jesus that confront us as we look at this, as we approach our journey and of reflection towards Easter. The first is, do as I do. I don't know about you, but I've often said to my kids, do as I say, not as I do, right? Because sometimes the worst thing your kids could do is act like you. I mean, you know, I don't think I'm the only one in that. But Jesus is saying, no, do as I do. In our passage today, Jesus makes the statement, you should do as I have done. Now, later in the chapter, in verse 34, Jesus reiterates what he has taught in this passage. And he says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, these words, as I have and you must, these are very powerful words. These are words that, that are carried down through history, down through the history of the church, down through all generations of followers of Jesus to those who are his followers. As I have done this, you too must do it. It wasn't confined to that time. It has carried its way all the way through history to find us where we are right here today. Now, honestly, I want you to know this morning that I often find this challenge from Jesus, do as I do. As I have done it, you have to do it. 
it's difficult to fulfill. It's a tough one. It's not easy to do. I know that Jesus loves me. I know that. I am convinced of that to my core. I believe it. I can see the impact of his love in my life. I can see how he has changed me from the inside out with his love. I've seen the impact of his love in my life. I can honestly say to you that the love from Jesus that I've experienced, I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. I don't have a right to it, but, but he has freely loved me and poured out his love in my life and continues to love me and pour out his love in my life. I've experienced that firsthand. Yet despite that, there are people that I struggle with seeing as worthy of my love. <laughs> there are people that I, I just, I don't think they deserve my love. And maybe you struggle with the same. Maybe you struggle with that too. It's hard to love people who have hurt us. It's hard to love people who've hurt us. It's hard to love people who have lied to us. It's hard to love people who have lied about us. It's hard to love people who have betrayed us. Yet the words of Jesus just fill our hearts and our minds. As I have, you must do as I do. It's hard. It's sometimes hard to love people who live lifestyles that we don't agree with, that oppose the things that we personally value. Yet his words echo to us, as I have, you must do as I do. It's hard to love people, this is one I struggle with sometimes, whose political views or allegiance are significantly opposed to ours. Yet his words echo within us, as I have, you must do as I do. It's hard to love people who make our lives difficult every single day. But we do as I do. What I find interesting in this passage is that it's clear. And this is the part that really messes me up. It's clear that Judas has already decided that he's going to betray Jesus. And Jesus knows it. He knows. There's no surprise here. He, he knows. Yet when Jesus washed all of their feet, he even washed the feet of Judas. Can you imagine the moment, that image of Jesus kneeling at the feet of the one who was already in partnership with the enemy, already had betrayed him, already had laid the groundwork, already had a plan in place that was just waiting to be executed now, that was going to bring incredible anguish upon Jesus. It was going to bring chaos into the lives of his followers. It was, it was just so painful. And here Jesus is washing his feet with the same love and affection as the others who had remained faithful. That's hard to comprehend. That's hard to comprehend. 
There is more to verse 34 than as I have loved you, you must love one another. It also says, by this, everyone will know that you belong to me if you love one another. Loving people who are not deserving of our love is a sign to the world that we belong to Jesus. Not our doctrine, not the programs that we run, not the activities that we're involved in, not the views that we hold, not the buildings that we own and occupy, but loving people. Loving people who are difficult to love, even those we believe who are not deserving of our love. That is the sign that identifies us as followers of Jesus. I wouldn't be honest today if I said this was easy to do but it doesn't change the fact that this is what we are called to. This is what we're a part of. This is what it means to be a Jesus follower. And it takes humility, a lot of humility, to love the people who we believe are undeserving of our love. Do as I do. Secondly, knowing and doing. Jesus ends the section with these words. That now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus makes it clear here that there's a difference between knowing and doing. That you can know what is true. You can know what is right. You can know what is expected or what is appropriate. You can know those things but not do them. You can know without doing. But his expectation of his followers then and now is that we would know what it is he is communicating and then we would do what it is he's asking of us. You can know, but not do. His expectation is that we would, it would be lived out in our actions and in our lives and how we love. That faith and works are functioning in tandem in our lives. What we believe and what we do working together. Jesus is showing us that knowing brings an obligation to doing. Now that you know, now that you know, you have to do something about it. Humility is refusing to establish, and we, we just did a series about loving beyond boundaries, and humility is refusing to establish any boundary that will keep us from doing and serving and loving as Jesus has called us to do, serve, and love. And so Jesus makes it clear here that blessing flows into our lives from God as we are faithful to do what God has asked us to do, especially in our text of loving and serving others. Now, it's important to note because within North American evangelicalism, we've polluted this idea of blessing, I think, significantly. And blessing in this life, and I think it's important to state, is not measured by material blessings. Blessings in this life are not measured by awards we receive or accomplishments 
or are experiencing the things we desire, or even as trivial as finding a really good parking spot close to the door. That's not the blessing that God is talking about. Blessing is a peace. It is a contentment. It is a confidence in in the provision of God as we are living in harmony with what God has called us to do and to be. It takes humility to do and act on what we know needs to be done, even though it's difficult to do. We can't stop at knowing. We can't stop at acknowledging. We must take it to the next step of living it out and of doing it. I'm going to invite our worship team back. Genuine godly love is always demonstrated in humility. Loving people, even those who are not deserving of our love, is a sign to the world that we belong to Jesus. Humility is refusing to establish any boundary that will keep us from serving and loving Jesus as he's called us to serve and love. Jesus led with humility. And Peter learned this lesson on this night, on his journey. And so must we, learning how to emulate the humility of Jesus by loving and serving as Jesus loved and served. Would you stand with us this morning? And Tyler is going to lead us. And as he does, I would encourage you this morning on your journey towards the Easter season, as you take time to reflect on what God may want to say to you and what the Holy Spirit is prompting in your life, what are areas that you need to surrender in humility so that you can love and serve as Jesus has called us to love and to serve. Tyler, would you lead us this morning?
prayer. And there are so many in our congregation today that are looking to us in prayer. So let's, let's pray together as we conclude our service this morning. Father, we come before you today and we, we do lay down all of our lives, all of our awards and accolades, all of our accomplishments, all of our pride. We lay it all down at your feet humbly this morning. We want to serve you in humility, best represented by how we love those who are undeserving in our lives and in our world, that we deem undeserving. Lord, we recognize that there are many, all, none of them are undeserving in your eyes. Your love and your grace just transcends all of our pain and disappointment and categories and reaches to the lowest of the low, the most broken. And Lord, this this morning, we just pray that you would help us to be people who do as you do, follow your example, who not only know what is right to do, but do it. Father, this morning, we bring many in our congregation before you, many of whom are not even able to be here in our service with us today. We pray, Lord, for your peace and your presence for each and every one. We pray today for Edith as she continues with her health journey, God. We pray for your healing, your strength, and your comfort in her life. We pray for Carl as he recovers from surgery. We pray for Todd as he continues chemo treatments. And we pray, Lord, that the end result will be worth the horrible experience of having to go through those treatments. We pray for a good report at the end. We pray that you would bring him through and heal and strengthen him. We pray for Phil today, God, as he deals with health issues in his life. We celebrate today that Emma is able to come home now. We thank you for that as we've prayed for that little girl for so long through such horrible health issues. And we know there's still a long road ahead for her, but we're just so thankful for the progress that we see in her lives. And we celebrate that this morning. Father, we lift Gaynor up before you today. God, we pray for your healing and your strength in her life. Lord, we pray for Doug Lynn this morning, for Loana. Lord, we pray for your comfort and your peace and your strength in their lives today for their family, Lord for the family members of those who journey with those whose health is not good or who are in crises, the strain and the burden on them, we pray, Lord, for your peace and your help today. And Father, as we leave this place this morning, as we go back into our homes and our workplaces and our communities, may we carry with us a reminder today of the incredible humility that we are called to. That in a day and age when many Christians are known and accused of arrogance that we will be known by our love by our humility by our willingness to serve following the example you've set for us we ask these things today in Jesus name Amen God bless you, thank you for being here today, thank you those of you who've joined us from elsewhere, if we can serve you in any way Please let us know. 